But I remember putting on the uniform and uh, and driving to U.S. Ballpark and sitting in my car, tears rolling down the face, like just thinking one last time, maybe I should not be here. Burger Bites is recorded on location in Ozark, Missouri and presented on Anchor. The views expressed on Burger Bites are not necessarily those of the staff and ownership of the Grip and Rip Baseball League. Enjoy the show. I need some protein. We both need some protein. Yeah. Is it any big shock that you've got diabetes? Apparently not. I'm going to show you how to make the most amazing burger. Well, hello once again, everybody. I'm Rance Burger. This is the burger that changed my life. What goes well with the burger? Nick Bacon. Will you want to eat said bacon? Probably not. You'd assume the secret ingredient is love. It's actually bacon. But today, a quick trip to the store, and anyone can bring home the bacon. Here's everything you're doing wrong with your bacon and how to get it right. The burger. And bacon. It's Mr. Burger. I to tell him what your name is. It's Mr. Burger. Burger and Bacon is back. I'm Rance Burger. My guest is Nick Bacon, who is the lead singer of The Endless Summer, a guy who works for Apple, a father of two girls, and as of 2016, a baseball player. On episode 46, Nick described being cut from his high school baseball team and the thought that he was done with the sport forever. In 2016, he and his friend Skylar Carter came to Ozark, Missouri to try out for the Experimental Grip and Rip Baseball League. In its first season, they'd both join a special fraternity of athletes who we now know as the original 60. How did you find out that you had been selected to Grip and Rip Green that first year? And then, you know, what was what was the emotion at that point? Oh my gosh! I uh, so tryouts concluded. They they took for what felt like forever that day. I remember, and uh, then I sat there and I refreshed Facebook every five minutes until those rosters were posted. And the longer it took, the longer I thought that my shot was at making a team. Which I don't know why I was even there logically because like they hadn't posted anybody's names. It wasn't just mine. Yeah, it finally posted, and I was like, oh my gosh. I made it. And I think it was one of those situations where I had to scroll a little bit and it's like, you don't see your name, you don't see your name, you don't see your name. And then you're like, I think I see my name. What the heck? This is amazing. And then like just a rush of emotions of like, I'm going to get to play baseball again. Like finally, I, I get to do this. And then uh, I had that added bonus of being selected to a team with Skyler, like with the only guy that I, I knew uh, going into the league and from there formed lasting relationships with Rob Neese and Tyler Goss uh, on that team as well and other folks. And uh, man, just what a cherished memory, but I can remember being overwhelmed with emotion. And, and if I'm quite honest, there's a level of that every year or has been every year since then and probably will continue to be like a, a level of anxiety or nervousness that my name might not be on that list somewhere. And then just like an exhilarating feeling of I get to do this one more year. What do you remember about the very first weekend of games? Was there a like an, oh my gosh, I, I'm in a real life game situation here? Yeah, I uh, I remember, I don't know if this was the first game uh, or maybe it was, maybe I'm confusing tryouts, but I remember I had to play catch with somebody and it was uh, Brandon Chapman 
that I chose. This was tryouts. Okay, so I'm going to tell you this story, and then I'll tell you about the first first weekend's games. So I had mentioned that I, I got to the ballpark for tryouts and didn't know anybody but Skyler, and Skyler, uh, as he often is, was late. So I had to pick up a ball and start getting loose. And uh, I, I found Brandon Chapman, and he was my first game of catch in like with somebody other than Skyler in ten plus years. And I remember yipping out like i was like all over the place and i was like this is gonna be a disaster uh, i couldn't throw the freaking baseball and that carried over into the first set of games as well um i didn't start that game so i think the the nerves were a little bit more eased uh after i saw that starting lineup and perhaps that was the best thing for me to not feel that added pressure and to kind of get to see what the competition was going to look like before i ever had to step on the field but it's surreal like you know i i will never know the feeling of walking out onto a major league baseball field and being like, you got called up kid. But when you step onto us ballpark for the first time, and this means so much to you as somebody who had had the game ripped away from him. Oh gosh, I get emotional just thinking about it. And I, I feel like had I probably played that day, it was probably horrendous just because of the overwhelming emotion that I had. <laughs> Well, you found a way to stick around or found ways to stick around. You played for the 66ers. You played for uh, the Shockers in 2018. And then uh, what I would argue anyway, Nick, you can feel free to, to tell me I'm wrong, but your big break comes 2019. Justin Skinner selected you for the Henry's Towing High Rollers. I remember you said this to me. You said, I feel like I got traded to the Yankees just as you were yeah, I don't, examining I don't that roster. Any. I don't want to hurt any of the other coaches' feelings, but uh, it, you know when when Skinner keeps repeating his champion, it's it's hard not to kind of think, oh, what if I could just get on his team, you know? And and that year, uh, he managed to keep the same core of players together again. I was reunited with some of my best friends that I hadn't played with since year one, and what a what a team, you know? I I can hardly claim much of a contribution to that team, but I I can say that. It was a heck of a year. It certainly was the most memorable for me, uh, not just because we ended up winning it all, but um, because of other factors that were at play and the way that that team believed in each other and worked together. And gosh, our pitching was phenomenal. Uh, we could hit the baseball. Like I just, I think it was perfect. And over the years, that'll always that'll always stick with me about that specific team. I even there was a point afterwards where I was like, all right. I'm going to text the boys because I feel like we need to have like championship rings. And I was like, I was researching, can you make like cheapo, like professional rings? And I found it. I had somebody make a mock-up of them and I sent it to the team. They're like, yeah, no, nah, dude, I think, uh, I think I'm good. And to this day, I'm like, I still think I'm going to make myself one one day. You know, I'm going to hang that up. I'm going to sit it on the desk and I'm going to have it because why not? Uh, it was that memorable. Again, don't undersell it. You go from being the guy who was scared to crack the lineup to a starter. You were the everyday left fielder uh, for the Rollers. And then statistically, you had what was your best season? You had officially yeah. four hits, a couple of doubles, a couple RBIs, a couple of big games also that got uh, ended up, the stats got washed away due to rain. So, um, you know, what changed for you? Was it uh, something with your training, something with diet, something with the mental approach? Or, or what was that locked in Nick Bacon that we saw back in 19? You know, I uh, I would be nothing in this league without the help of friends uh, and folks that helped me out, starting with folks like Skyler, who was willing to come out almost any day, any time of day to have a catch with me or throw BP. Even 
if it meant that I had to throw horrendous BP back to him because I am not great at throwing BP whatsoever. But then it extends beyond that, right? You, you get to know these folks around you. You get to know, you get to be part of the brotherhood and then other people kind of come alongside you as well. And so I can remember Chris Meza, who I played with last year, uh, even in 2019, was was helping me to to sort of refine the swing a little bit and then also just grow the confidence, right? Um, I think even to this day, and I think it's an important thing to be honest about uh, because I'm sure that there are more people out there that that really go through this, but baseball is such a mental game and I am in my head all the time about just about everything from Sunday games end to Sunday games beginning the next week. And so I think I was able to cut loose a little bit on that team just because of the personalities that were involved, just because of the support that was involved as well. And then from a training standpoint, like I, you know, I think I got to put in a little bit more work with um, my core group with Tyler and Rob and Skyler. Uh, we would go out to a various field where, where one of them was working that day and, and we'd put in consistent work, which I think is so important considering you get one game a week and maybe three ABs and you're supposed to stay hot. The 2019 baseball season with the Henry's towing high rollers was wonderful for Nick Bacon. Finally, he was living out his boyhood dream, but then all the joy and wonder came crashing down in an instant. The next part of the interview examines the sensitive topic of suicide. If you are sensitive to the topic, please stop listening. In partnership with Nick and the rest of the Bacon family, we're supporting an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. No matter what you're facing, you deserve to be connected to help. You can find help 24-7 at TWLOHA.com. If you're in southwest Missouri, you can also find assistance through the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, by going to NAMISWMO.org. There's also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, available at 1-800-273-8255. While I kidded around with Nick about his years touring as the lead singer of The Endless Summer, it was actually the band's music and touring that bridged the connection between the Bacon family and To Write Love on Her Arms. So I wanted to ask you about just everything surrounding the 2019 championship game, if that's all right. Yeah. Can you talk me through the the timeline of events involving your sister, Adrian? I guess that would have been after the semifinals. So you've you come off of the elation of having the chance to play for a championship. Yeah, I, um, gosh, you know, it's crazy because so much of that time is a blur yet other parts of it are just like blatantly clear. Um, and I, I can remember that exhilarating feeling of knowing that we were going to the championship. And I, I can remember thinking that things in my life were going so great. Like, you know, I, I everything was good with my family, with, uh, with our little kiddo. Like it was just, it was such a great time. And, and I remember getting in my head thinking like, perhaps that was hubris. Like perhaps I shouldn't have been thinking that way because something is going to come around the corner to ground you. And so after that game, we were sitting one night, we were watching the Cardinals game. And uh, I, I got a call uh, from my stepfather in Iowa telling me that, that something had happened uh, with my sister who also lived up in that area and I could tell from my stepdad, who is usually stoic and, and usually 
he's just the guy that has everything together that this was not this was not a situation that was going to be okay um and my sister that night had taken her own life um and i that's where the blur starts like that's where my mind goes blank i, I don't believe anything that's being told to me it's also apparently happening five hours away i have no idea how i can help i have no idea if i can if it's a situation that can be helped at this point really the, I, the details were vague at the uh, at the beginning and so you know i held on to hope that that maybe things were going to be okay like it's one of those situations where it's just like no i mean no she's okay like this is fine like it, you know like whatever and i remember like immediately having this desire to to drive up there and be with my family but at this point like it wasn't like we were rushing to a hospital like it was it it was done my stepdad uh, in trying to to be the the member of the family that could be a little bit more clear-headed and, and kind of sort through things for people was like no you you need to stay put because i mean this was it was i think it was an extra inning cardinals game so it was like really late at night and he was like you need to stay put and, and come up here tomorrow and i didn't sleep and so for really that entire week we we spent time up in keokuk iowa southeast iowa uh, just being with family and going through a range of emotions and uh, trying to, to work out exactly what had happened and uh, all the while i knew that this this championship game was on the horizon and early on i you know i didn't think about it i i was like this is not going to happen for me and um <laughs> You know, the team can win without me. It's It maybe is a chance of a lifetime for me. I don't know if I'll ever make it back to the championship game again. And so I, I would love to otherwise be there. But it, there are things that are, are bigger than baseball at this point. And so uh, I just wanted to make sure that anything that I did was was for the betterment and comfort of my family at that point and, and really even for myself. Um, and I can remember my wife and um, my stepdad and my mom and, and all this sort of coming together and having a conversation about it and, and saying like, you, you need to go play. This means that much to you. It's probably going to be something that, that is just good from like the sake of, of normalcy a little bit. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll do it. And I had hoped that my family would come with me and that didn't work out. Like all of them didn't work out as, as well as I should, as it should. But I remember putting on the uniform and uh, and driving to U.S. ballpark and sitting in my car, tears rolling down the face, like just thinking one last time, maybe I should not be here. Um, and if I am here, what what good am I to a team that's trying to like win this championship? Can I really be a reliable player? Uh, and I walked in and uh, was handed a wristband with a bat logo on it. And uh, it was given to me by Chris Meza, uh, who was not on my team. And I looked around and, and nearly every player was wearing them. And, oh my gosh, I mean, what, what a rush of emotion and just speaking to, again, the way that that team came together, the way that that league can come together and rally behind you to support you. And so that game, like, I, you know, I can't, I, the game itself, I barely remember because I remember standing out in the outfield and just thinking about my sister and, and probably hoping a ball wasn't going to be hit to me because I was so distracted. And then we won and then we're popping champagne and I don't know how to pop the champagne. I've never done that before. And it's slipping out of my hands. And I'm for a moment, 
I've left sort of my normal conscious state at that point and I'm elated again. And I, it was, it's a feeling that I will never have again. I, I think that even if I were to win subsequent championships, like they won't mean as much simply because of the external factors that surrounded that game. Yeah, were you really able to process the significance of the moment in the moment or maybe was that something that even popped up weeks and and months down the line as you had a little more time to reflect on it definitely the latter i think you know as you as you reflect back on it uh, even a year later as i was prepping for tryouts and i was opening the bat bag for the first time in what felt like forever and i pulled out that wristband i was like that that is what makes baseball so amazing the game aside the relationships that you build and the emotion that sort of connects everybody on that field or in those dugouts and, and makes you want to be there for each and every other person, like that's what supersedes a game. And so certainly later on down the road, I was able to look back and just be like, man, that was like, that was storybook. I mean, aside from the details of the story and in, in which you wish never happened, like that was, that was amazing. An emotional moment down on the field. You see Nick Bacon, Big long hug there with Chris Meza of the Shockers, one of his close friends, Nick Bacon, less than seven days ago, tragically lost his sister, Adrian. In Adrian's memory, one of the many that we have dedicated our playoff season to here in the GRBL. We remember those we've lost that are part of the GRBL family. Heavy hearts at times, but man, all smiles all celebrating down there. What a performance for these Henry's Towing High Rollers. They are the 2019 Grip and Rip Baseball League champions. There's an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms, and it initially came up because they are, or used to be, big into the band scene. And so as I was touring around and doing all these shows, they would they would always be there talking about how people matter and, and trying to give folks self-worth and giving them resources to look out to. And it's one of those things where in hindsight, I wish I would have paid more attention. And so they were, they were the first organization that came to mind, especially when it came to uh, the funds that were collected for my sister's memorial fund uh, and, and ultimately where that donation went. And so i I continue to admire the work that they do just on on raising self-awareness, not just for suicide awareness, but just mental health in general, because I think too often it's it's something that's overlooked or it's something that we may see and, and turn a colder shoulder to. And so, man, throughout this past year, especially, like I can only imagine folks that are out there that are struggling with that sort of thing. And um, but they've been they've been great in being supportive of, of both us and trying to carry out things in Adrian's name and, and kind of keep it alive in that way. You know, it's funny because I still get at least like one every other week of like, the endless summer has a new like, or I'll, I'll get like messages every so often of people who are like now in their twenties that were like in their early teens and just loved us and will tell me stories about, uh, certain things. And I think of that, you know, it's funny because the, uh, well, not funny, but like one of the most resounding stories that sticks with me is that we played a show uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, of all places. And afterwards, this this young girl came up to me and I could kind of just tell that 
that not everything was okay, but she just, she kind of broke down and told me like just how much she loved our band and how much she loved my singing and just how she always wanted, she just wanted to follow us and she didn't have any money for a CD or anything, but she just, she really appreciated us being here. And so I gave her a CD, but I also gave her my microphone that night, just on a whim. I was like, here you go, here's my microphone. And years later, she she reached out to me and told me that, that that night in particular saved her life, like that she was very much so in a dark place and that she felt like there was just not any friendliness in the world anymore. And she reached out and told me how much that meant to her. And so now, especially in hindsight, like that, that happened long before Adrian did. And I wish I would have appreciated it more even than I did. Adrian Bacon died on October 14th, 2019. She was 26. In the days and weeks that followed, Nick, his brother Travis, and the rest of the family encouraged people who knew their sister Adrian to donate money to To Write Love on Her Arms. It's an organization that works with people struggling with an array of mental health issues, including suicidal ideation, self-harm, addictions, and eating disorders. One great thing about To Write Love on Her Arms is that the organization is meant to be an encouraging bridge between people who are hurting and resources they can use to find help and get better. They try not to duplicate anything that's already out there, but bridge the gap between people who are suffering and help. Since its founding in 2006, To Write Love on Her Arms has responded to more than 210,000 messages from people reaching out for help and given more than $2.4 million in grant funding for organizations that provide treatment, recovery, and counseling. After winning a championship with the Henry's Towing High Rollers in 2019, Nick Bacon grew his own immediate family, roamed the country, and continued to play baseball. So I know after that game, he kind of took on a, a pretty nomadic existence for a while. You sold the house in Nixa, lived in a camper for a while, and then you were uh, up in Iowa, closer to family. Now you're back in Southwest Missouri. Are you fully settled in, in the new? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out where in the world is Nick Bacon right now. Oh my goodness! I know. I, I suppose for my uh, my secret identity, it's good that nobody knows where I'm at at any given time. But yeah, so I mean, that was that was sort of getting into the the 2020 ambitions that my wife and I set forth for ourselves. We um, had tried many different strategies in the past to try and dig our way out of this credit card debt and otherwise situation we had both put ourselves in uh, and none of them ever worked. And so right around New Year's resolution time, we decided it's time to get radical. And I remember that my wife was in another room and she was watching some sort of an Instagram post of somebody who was living full time in an RV. She came out and she's like, we need to do this. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. Like, that sounds cool. Like that's right up my alley of, of spontaneity and sounds cool. But you know, it's not, yeah, I know you and that's not going to, that's not going to work. And she's like, no, I'm serious. And so we thought on it for a little bit. And within a couple of weeks, we listed our house for sale. We sold virtually all of our belongings. We had a giant garage sale that spanned a couple of weekends, uh, sold pretty much everything and bought a 30 foot RV uh, that had been renovated by some friends of ours. And we lived in that for, for 10 months. We, we drove it up to Iowa. Uh, to the aforementioned mom and stepdad's house. They they own about 80 plus acres of land up in Iowa. So we parked it next to the house and uh, we lived out of that RV, which was, you know, had some ups and downs to say the least, but it was a good experience. And, and ultimately we 
we accomplished our goals, which then led us to being able to come back to this area to buy what is essentially our dream house at this point. And I feel very much so like we are settled uh, for a good long time now. But it was it was definitely an interesting time. I should also mention that the, the day we decided to go for it and the day that we decided to list our house, uh, the very next day was when we found out that my wife was pregnant with our second child. So we were like, okay, um, this complicates things, but we're in it now. You're back in Missouri. You were able to, it was like, Nothing ever happened in terms of grip and rip baseball because you were you were back here in time to play 2020 for the Republic Locos. And so now you're still living in the area. Sounds like your 2021 is is going to be a go. What are you doing to get ready to be a baseball player again in August? You know, there was a time last year, especially where I was looking ahead to grip and rip and thinking, how am I going to play? Because I want to play and I'm five hours away. And I, I remember telling you, Rance, like, I'm going to drive down every weekend and I'm going to play and I'm going to drive back five hours one way, 10 hour trip every Sunday. But that's how much it means to me. And luckily, well, I shouldn't say luckily, because again, it was a fallout from from COVID related items. But with the season being pushed back and my wife's due date that brought us back down here to to have the baby, it was serendipity uh, that I was here in the area and, and getting to play, albeit I was living at an RV park at that time. So every every Sunday I was driving from the RV park. But this year, man, you know, I am every year I put it on the feedback survey that Tony sends out. Uh, and one one of these days it's going to happen. But I would love to see a comeback player of the year award or something to that sort, uh, because I would like to win it. I will never claim to to probably be like the best player on the field, but I am bound and determined to at least reach double digits and hits one year. Things have always been difficult from a training perspective because my wife is not the greatest catch partner. Uh, and and now Skyler and, and the other dudes are way down in, in Nixa and Ozark, which is a good 45-minute drive from me here in Marshfield. So I thought about doing a couple things. Uh, I am very serious about putting up a batting cage in my backyard, a la Mark Blem, uh, and even spoke to him about it. Like, hey, where'd you get your stuff? Let me see your setup. Like, I want to, we've got a little bit of land now, so I feel like I can get away with it. Uh, I really want to put up a cage. I've also looked into, uh, I guess, probably just a byproduct of living in the tech world working for Apple, but there is a product called Win Reality that is a virtual reality product kind of making its its way through collegiate baseball and even through the pros. Like, uh, like Paul Goldschmidt is a big spokesperson for it. And if you follow their pages on social media, they've got a lot of major league players that are utilizing this to stay game ready. And it allows you to take at bats wherever you are. Like you get a virtual reality headset. Uh, there's an attachment you can put on your bat. You can choose whichever pitcher you want to face and literally be in virtual reality and see live pitches come in. And I think for me, that's going to be the crux of if I'm going to get better, I just need to see more pitches, right? I need to be able to not rely on the fact that I, I maybe have one to three at bats every week and I just need to see pitches. And in the absence of having somebody handy that can go throw me BP in a batting cage, that seems like the next best thing. And, and so I'm, I'm eager to give it a try. If I come out the gate strong, Rance, there's going to be something to be said about virtual reality baseball training. You can you can pick whichever level you want. Like you can pick youth pitchers, collegiate pitchers, major league pitchers. So I think you know I'm going to try it. And and aside from that, despite what the the statistics may say, I don't know that I've ever been in like the greatest shape going into a season. Certainly not like as in shape as I'd hoped to be. Right now, 
my brother is actually living with us temporarily as he's between places and he's a certified personal trainer. So there's no better time than now to like start getting into shape a little bit. And he's got me on this program uh, called 75 hard, which Reese Taylor is also going through right now. He's a little bit ahead of me, uh, but that's really forcing my hand to work out multiple times a day. Uh, there are other components to it that are just good for from a life perspective, but consistent fitness. And then, Hey, I'm going to start seeing some pitches soon. Look out for some base hits from Nick Bacon in 2021 and find out more about the Grip and Rip Baseball League at thegrbl.com. If you or a loved one are struggling with suicidal ideation, self-harm, addiction, or other mental illness, please check out the links to To Write Love on Her Arms and NAMI of Southwest Missouri in the description for this episode. I'm Rance Berger. Good night from Ozark, Missouri. The stars again, whenever-